In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, Brad, there it is. Shakedown by Bob Seeger, and uh, really apropos given where this country is right now, just going straight to hell and a handbasket being shook down on the left by the uh, woke mob, on the right by the Trumpers, and uh, in the middle by uh, everyone else that's left. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, we have Bob to listen to because he's a solid operator. I don't know that he ever cranked out a bad song. Uh, but certainly was a man, at least with that song, well, you know, probably a man of his time, but certainly a man before his time with respect to where we find ourselves today. Um, well, you've got David Pridham here with Brad Sheaf. We're back in the middle of summer. We are uh, excited to be here. We are on, uh, of course, the Salem Podcast Network. We're now um, uh, alongside many of the greats, Brad, on the Salem Network. I believe uh, Larry Elder is part of that uh, part of that network. Uh, the great character actor Wilford Brimley, I believe, has a polka hour on uh, Salem. And now we are joining, we're up on the Mount Rushmore of the uh, Salem radio network. Yeah, any polka hour not to be missed as a general rule, but certainly one hosted by Wilford Brimley also, uh, you know, not to be missed. Yeah, Quaker Oats, it's what's for yeah. dinner. Right? That's, that's correct. Yeah, that's something like that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, you can learn more about us on our website, ipfrequently.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, the Facebook, the TikTok, the MySpace at IP underscore frequently. And again, uh, catch us here each week, wherever you're catching us. So first, Brad, the two big news stories of the week. First, another horrific shooting, this time in Highland Park, Illinois, with some absolute maniac who bought a gun legally, I guess, um, the Smith & Wesson rifle, um, fired 60 some odd or 83 rounds and killed so far seven people just picking people off who were watching uh, a fourth of july parade um yeah the, the story on the shooter is sort of back and forth you're, you're hearing different things but uh, obviously a lunatic obviously someone where there were red flags before with the police involved and yet he was still able to buy this gun and and uh get up on a roof and fire at innocent people trying to watch a fourth of july parade i mean just absolutely horrific well, buddy, you know, you and I have been back and forth on this uh, on a number of occasions. Unfortunately, it seems like almost every week you know, we wind up talking about a mass shooting. And, and as, as we have said a number of times, again, on this very fine program, I, you know, fine. If, if there is a mechanism to deal with the guns, then apply that mechanism. Now, you know, again, as you said, reportedly, this guy got, got the gun legally. I'm not even sure what that means anymore. Um, but it, it, what, what's making me nuts is that while everyone is jumping up and down and screaming about, about the guns, it, on any given day in this country, 
dozens and dozens of people are being shot by non-assault weapons, right? By pistols, by whatever have you, right? I mean, we, the, the problem, you know, may well be that we're over-manufacturing assault weapons or the wrong people have them or, or, or whatever, fine, I deal with that. But until we address the fact that our culture is just broken, we are not going to fix this problem, right? I, you know, neither you nor I make a claim to be a genius, but I, I'm not exactly sure at this point, sort of the, the ship on the guns has sailed, right? I mean, even if you ban those rascals today, right? You just, somebody does it just by caveat. Hey, no more, whatever defines an assault rifle, no one can have one. There are so many of them out there that, I mean, unless you're going to go door to door and just, you know, say, hey, mind if we swing through and look to see if you have an assault rifle. I, I, I'm not sure how saying the guns are the problem and we're going to come take them actually fixes the problem. I'm sure in certain corners it gets, it gets you political capital. I'm sure, you know, people who don't stop to think about it when they hear a politician say, well, that's what we're going to do. Maybe they heave a sigh of relief and say, well, that will solve the problem. But that's all foolishness, buddy. I mean, until we address the fact that there is a root problem with our culture, that we are producing folks who, for whatever reason, think that it's sound practice to climb up on a roof and shoot strangers. If we don't begin to acknowledge that we have you know, gone down the wrong path as a country, as a society, as a culture, in all the things that we are broadcasting. I mean, the progressives have been in charge of education in this country for decades. They have had, they have been the sole religious organization and yep, progressivism is a religion. They have been the sole religious organization allowed to speak uh, through the TV, through the radio, in public schools, uh, you know, from a political podium. They're, they're the only ones allowed to espouse their agenda without just being shouted down. And, and they've been in that position for decades, right? And so here's where we are. Here is the net result of that agenda is that we live in a country where you can't have a freaking 4th of July parade without some lunatic climbing on top of a building and just willy-nilly firing into a crowd. And to turn around and go, well, it's the gun's fault it is, it would be comical if it wasn't so sad. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He, 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 you look at the red flags that came up in this situation with you know, multiple police calls to the house and, and, and it's still a, a fluid situation, but uh, it looks like his, parents supported his uh, I guess you have to apply to buy a gun at the age of 19 and you need a parent parental consent and he they gave that for, for this kid even though he was you know a nut and, and clearly a nut I mean that that's a that's a problem there need to be better ways to, to weed these people out but also the fundamental is that the family is is, is broken you look at New York City over the, the 4th of July weekend 50 people five zero people were shot in New York City almost as many were shot in Chicago, we, we've, we've got a, a, a broken society and that's not because of the guns, right? I mean, but, but the, 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 the violence with guns are on the rise. And then you look at you know, things like the Gallup poll where people are asked if they're very proud to be an American. It's at an all time low of, uh, of 38%. And so as a society, uh, we're in the middle of, of sort of this seismic shift and it's I couldn't agree more it's because of progressive um, uh, ideology it's because we've been told that the family doesn't matter we've been told that there is no place for God in our 
society. We have to sort of divorce ourselves from from that whole concept. I mean, we literally had Elizabeth Warren on the TV over the weekend talking about the fact that we need to start shutting down all these pregnancy planning organizations, which are the organizations that try to help women who are uh, in need of counseling uh, figure out how they're going to have a baby and what tools are at their disposal and give them some financial support. She's literally talking about shutting them down um, because they're not offering abortions. I mean, that, that's so, that, it's just, if you think about that, that that's sick. And you know, that's where our society is, is headed. And if we continue down this path, it's, it's just going to continue to get uh, worse. And, and, you know, we've got the elections coming up, but uh, things have to, have to change. And it's not just a matter of electing a Republican as opposed to a Democrat. It's a matter of the, the, the mindset, the, the whole paradigm in this country is screwed up. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how it's going to change, but I do know it has to change or we're going to um, be looking at ourselves as, as no longer the leader of the free world. But listen, there, there has been some good news Right. Good news. First, record number, I guess, record numbers of men are rushing to get vasectomies. Right. Apparently, it's uh, up about uh, 40 percent, including uh, the vasectomy king, Doug Stein. He was a urologist. Um, He is the vasectomy king of Florida, and he gets 18 uh, requests a day for new vasectomies because men don't want to impregnate women and then not be able to get an abortion as their birth control. So that's a good thing, right? You're seeing more and more people who think like that not reproducing. So I guess that's that's good. And then Google is actually going into um, people's um, history. You know, you know, they track everything, Google, yeah. including oh, yeah. your when you have Google Maps, people don't know, but they track where you are. But they are deleting any visits uh, to abortion clinics from your location history unilaterally they're doing that so uh listen so that's some, that's some that's some good news buddy i mean I, again if you're not just startled into a new level of awareness by that story that google in order obviously for them to go in and erase anyone's visit to an abortion clinic they have to know you went right and so they have to know you wherever else you went and they are clearly storing that mm-hmm. or they wouldn't have to go in and delete it in accordance mm-hmm. with their particular view of what right looks like. And I mean, that you, if you're listening to this, you should be thinking to yourself, man, like what are the implications of that? Right. What if as opposed to Google deleting your visit to the abortion clinic, they decided to publish your visit to a planned, you know, to a to a productive rights clinic, right? There's really nothing preventing them from doing that. Right? I mean, they're storing that data; they know that about you. So there's really nothing preventing them from doing that. I mean, that should make you sit up and take notice. I mean, again, if if you are leaning towards being, you know, what they call pro-choice, they go and look at the statistics, right? So if you take out of the number of abortions performed in this country every year, if you just simply remove those where the mother's life is at risk, and and listen, speaking for myself, I think I can speak for you, buddy, but I'll let you speak for yourself. If, you know, if, if my wife and I were still in the, you know, child production stage of life and a doctor came to me and said, Hey, your wife is pregnant and there's a high probability this pregnancy is going to kill her. It, it would not take me long to say, listen, I know my wife. I love my wife. 
you know, I, 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 you know, that would be a relatively easy decision for me. Uh, so if you take those out where the, the, the mother's life is at risk, you take out the ones that are the, the pregnancies that are products of rape or incest or any other, you know, violent crime, you take those out. It is a tiny fraction of a percentage of the total number of abortions performed in this country. So what we've really decided to do, and don't let anybody fool you, this isn't about that, right? Don't let anybody say, oh, well, this is about a woman, you know, what, now a woman has, just has to carry a baby if you don't kill her. There are no laws, to my knowledge, and someone can tweet in and correct us, but there are no laws on the books that say, hey, if you're a woman and your life is at risk, or even if you're a woman and your life isn't at risk, but you're in the first you, you know, trimester or whatever pregnancy, or you're the victim of a rape, or you're the victim of incest, so you can't have an abortion. There are no laws to say that anywhere in the country, even the most conservative parts of the country. So what we're really talking about is just someone who has willingly had sex and winds up pregnant, just going, well, it'll be more convenient for me if I can just end this pregnancy. So buddy, anything that, in the midst of there being a, you know, just dozens of different ways that you can prevent pregnancy. And so the, the, the idea that you would have an abortion simply as a matter of convenience, and then that's okay. Like that, you know, that is a moral choice to just say, well, I was too lazy to do anything else. So now I'll have this fetus killed is not a nice thing to say about a culture. No, but that says uh, quite a bit about uh, our culture and it's where we're at. It has to change, but uh, you know, it's summertime and this is the uh, um, uh, time of the year. We all reflect, we get, apparently we get third degree um, uh, sunburns and, and, and things like that. But uh, this is the time of year where we um, all enjoy uh, some of the uh, pastimes of America, baseball, apple pie, the Coney Island hot dog eating competition, Brad. Uh, Joey Chestnut this year uh, went out there to Coney Island on crutches, right? On crutches. I believe he had a torn ACL. And uh, he defended his championship. He ate 63, 63 Nathan's hot dogs. And I believe it's a couple (laughs) minutes. I'm not sure how many, how much time they have. He ate 63 of them. He defended his title. He did it hurt. He did it on crutches, torn ACL, MCL, uh, but uh, Joey Chestnut defends his title, and he is still the hot dog eating king. Buddy, I am. I, that's a tip of the cap right there. I mean, you you uh, just to take the field injured is a sign of your commitment to your sport, to your team, to your fans. And so I applaud that. I had no idea that hot dog eating could result in a significant trauma to the knee. So, I mean, that is educational for me. And I also have no idea how you can eat Sixty, five dozen folks hot dogs in one go. I'm just I, I'm literally sitting here trying to contemplate just the physics of that, and I can't. I can't figure it out. And so that is you know borderline magic trick that Mr. Chestnut performs. And so I'm 100 behind him. Good for him. I, I would not want to be anywhere near him when that you know sort of nature takes its course as a result of having eaten five dozen hot dogs. But I, again, tip of the cap. It's, it, I mean, it is a little disappointing. You have to, you have to wonder because last year he, he ate 76, uh, the hot dogs. And that was, um, uh, that was the record uh, all time record this year. He's down to 63, but he didn't need, I guess he ate the buns too, which is remarkable. Second place was Jeffrey Epser of, um, uh, Burlington, Massachusetts, who downed, 37 and a half hot dogs 
and uh, and Bun. So it was almost about half, a little more than half of what Joey Chestnut did uh, this year. But he did it hurt. And that uh, that shows you the American will, the American spirit is still alive. And this is one of the great one of the goats, uh, certainly the goat of hot dog eating competitions, um, the Tom Brady, if you will, of the Coney Island hot dog eating competition. Uh, next, Brad, we continue with the story of uh, inflation. Um, this week, President Biden, bold move, took to Twitter um, to uh, basically attack small businesses, in particular small gas stations. He said, quote, my message to the companies who are operating gas stations and setting prices at the pump is simple. This is a time of war and global peril. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product and do it now. So, um, Brad, it seems like uh, President Biden is um, taking uh, the, uh, the the bull by the horn, so to speak, and he's telling the small business owners um, who are being squeezed out by regulations, taxation, and the high cost of uh, refined oil uh, that they should literally just pass on their price to uh, consumers at the pump and not make any profit, and I suppose not pay their employees and just shut their uh, store down. I mean, it just goes to show you the, the type of person that Joe Biden is, right? So for political expediency, because the vast majority of Americans, myself included, I, I had no idea until that tweet came out what the margin was for you know just the average gas station owner, just the guy that owns a 7-Eleven with gas pumps or a, you know, an Amoco station or whatever. No idea. And so but Biden presumably does, and the people who put him up to this presumably do. So what he is clearly doing is he is, for purely politics and to try and get his abysmal poll numbers up, he is trying to lay the blame for his own just completely ruinous governance of the country at the foot of a small business owner. So I said, well, wait a minute. Right. So let me go just do a brief investigation. And by brief, I do mean brief. I put in like margin gas station gas into Google and it takes you about zero seconds to come back with results where the, the gas stations make like five cents of every gallon, every gallon of gas that you pump in that's now, you know, five, six bucks a gallon, five cents of that goes to the gas station owner. In fact, you can't even run a gas station in this country anymore if all you do is sell gas. You, you will not make enough money. They have to have the little shopette at the gas station to lure people in into buying, you know, ho-hos and Mountain Dews and beef jerky and whatever else. Because that's the only product on which a gas station owner can make enough margin to actually survive. And, you know, the president was asked about how long you know, drivers should be expected to pay this insane premium for gas prices. And he said, as long as it takes. And I mean, on the one hand, they talk about winning this crazy war in, in, in the Ukraine. Then they talk about transitioning to green technology. It, it, but it's. It's an insane, out of touch, liberal worldview, and it's the same thing. You know, they 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 have across the board, right? With immigration, with with abortion. I mean, you you see you see uh, poll after poll on on inflation, poll after poll on abortion. I mean, the American people are not lined up behind paying a premium to uh, justify some sort of for, for gas to justify a transition to green 
energy. The, 90% of the American people are not behind that. 90% of the American people or 80% think that abortion should be heavily restricted after 15 weeks. I mean, good Lord, you, you have the governor of New York um, opening up Native American land in New York for abortions to take place and encouraging people to travel from states that maybe restrict abortion to their state because they don't, because they don't. They, they're, they're, and they're willing to, to, to provide for it, provide for any American that wants to come rolling on in. It's also the mindset that they think they know better than we do. And you know, you're just going to have to take it. You're just going to have to take it until they transition the economy to some crazy green utopia that is going to be a nightmare. Yeah, well, it'll never work. I mean, again, you know, folks, just do yourself a favor. Ask yourself some relatively simple questions. Why? Why are, you know, governors of certain states, certain elected representatives just going crazy pushing an abortion agenda? I would be happy to have a conversation with someone who says, wait a minute, you know, abortions have their place in the medical armamentarium. There are times and places where abortion is the right choice. We want to continue to have access to responsible medicine. I am happy to have that discussion. What freaks me out is not people who say, wait a minute, let's let's think our way through how we want to handle abortion in this country. What freaks me out are the number of people who are pushing it. Better yet, open up federal lands and start counseling young people on how to be responsible with their sexuality. I'm not, I don't want to get into the issues of, of how the craziness we've turned sexuality into in this country. Just leave all that alone. I mean, show up in your full non-binary, I'm not exactly sure who I want to have sex with or what I want to have. Everybody show up. Let's provide some counseling on how to responsibly manage that. I mean, we're going to hand out condoms in junior high. Let's at least hand out some, you know, some wisdom based in experience by a responsible adult along with it. Now, Brad, from your lips to God's ears, I give you uh, Seattle, Washington School Board Director Jen Mason. Uh, Miss Mason, of course, owns a, uh, a store called Wink Wink. It is a sex store. And uh, she has decided to follow your advice and is offering a sex class for nine to 12 year olds uh, as an introduction to topics related to relationships, puberty, uh, bodies, and sexuality, um, focusing on what makes a healthy and unhealthy relationship and also including sexual pleasure. Uh, so there you go, Brad. Uh, maybe that's something we should nationalize. Yeah, well, again, buddy, I, I guess it's the classic example of you got to be careful what you wish for. I, I wasn't really thinking when I was, you know, on my soapbox there about someone who, and only in the state of Washington can a person be the the president of the state school board and own a sex shop, right? As though those two things you just sort of naturally go together. But I wasn't really thinking about the owner of a store called Wink Wink being Wink. in charge of the sexual education of nine to 12 year olds. I mean, how is that not like, why is there not a federal agent speaking as a former federal agent? Why is there not a federal agent standing on the doorstep of that place saying, let me get this straight. You're going to bring nine year olds in here and talk to them about sex and demonstrate pleasure. How is that not by definition pedophilia? And, and yet in the state of Washington, I guess she can just announce that that's what she's going to do and have people, you know, give her a golf clap for it. 
Here, well, li listen, here, maybe you need a little more color into this. Topics include what is sex, kinds of solo and partnered sexual activities, I assume, including throuples, sexual anatomy for pleasure and reproduction, and then, of course, gender and sexual identities. So, um, and this is something she'll be rolling out. Only nine to 12-year-olds need apply, and I don't believe um, that uh, parents are welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Again, if you are on the Innocent Images Task Force in the Seattle Division of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, I would direct one of you to go cover a lead at a place called Wink Wink. Next, Brad, um, we have a, uh, an issue with, you know, we, we like to cover all things animal kingdom. The city, I give you the city of Port Ritchie, Florida, just north of Tampa. Um, the uh, city has been inundated with um, giant snails that grow larger than big rats. And so the entire town. Good Lord, buddy. The entire town of Port Ritchie, Florida is now on a what we like to call a quarantine. And you know, I guess the question is, can we save these people? Um, apparently, these 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 giant snail snails are big as rats carry a parasite that causes meningitis in humans. They're African snails. Um, and, uh, you know, they, 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 they are, they're also carrying the parasite lungworm, uh, that apparently leads to meningitis. Uh, so for, uh, the next two years, um, there is a quarantine going on and residents are prohibited from moving plants, soil, yard waste, debris, compost, and, um, doing any building, um, outside of the zone. So I guess, uh, uh, for those in Port Ritchie, it's uh, going to be a long couple of years. Yeah, buddy. Giant snails. I mean, if you're wondering where, uh, you know, Fluffy the cat went, could have been consumed by one of these snails. Yeah, some people this? use them as pets. Look at this. Some, use them as pets. Polish woman adores her giant pet snail. They, and, and some people like meningitis, Brad. Uh, well, apparently so. I mean, I, I have been fortunate to have not had it. I've treated a number of people with it. They seem to, you know, really be disappointed with their... You know, sort of acute symptoms. And so I've, I've been happy to try and rid them of the meningitis. But I guess if that's your thing, if you like snails and meningitis, then you, this is the what they call a twofer, buddy. That is a twofer. For those of you who are in our listening audience who are in Port Ritchie and not able to leave, I believe they're building a wall around the town, Brad, Wuhan style. Um, but it uh, won't help. Snails go right, right up the wall, buddy. Watch them. Yeah. You're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to salt it. You have to build a wall and then you're going to have to have troops on top of the wall that are armed with just salt. My grandmother used to love to watch the birds. She put the big bird pole with the birdhouse on top and they put bird seed in it. And the snails and the snails, the uh, the, the the squirrels good Lord, uh -huh. would climb up the pole. So my grandfather greased the pole and then you'd have these <laughs> squirrels go up and they get halfway up and they go down and they go. And you watch that all day. That's that's entertaining. Oh, yeah, I know that's yeah. I mean, I, I'm your grandmother. God bless her. I hope she enjoyed the birds. I would have been all about watching the squirrels try to navigate the grease bowl. That's that right there, buddy, is childhood in America. That is, that is just a good time. Good time. Well, we'll keep a, a, a tabs on our good friends in Port Richie. Godspeed. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, you know, escargot is probably out of the question because of the whole meningitis thing. Well, you could get a fillet out of one of these snails. You don't even have to go escargot. You could get a nice six ounce fillet. I'm not exactly sure. You would know better than I. You're, you are, for, for folks in our listening audience who don't know, David is an exceptional cook. Buddy, how would you, if you were going to do like a giant African snail filet, 
how would you how would you prepare that? You'd have to get it out of the shell, right? You have to get it out okay. of the shell. Yeah. And you and uh, I both know we I mean, some would say very well, a person trained in the art of French cooking. We do. That's right. We do. We do. Um, I haven't talked to him in a while, but that's neither here nor there. I, I, but I mean, I suppose we could have him on the show uh, to talk to us about how to do it, or we could just move on. A man so committed to being a restaurateur that you and I both watched him light himself on fire mm-hmm. as opposed to leaving a table untended. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, yeah. good times. Good time. Good memories there, Brad. Good mm-hmm. memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how I would handle it. I, I probably would just... Uh, uh, if I saw one of these things, I would literally run the other way. Run. Oh, yeah. God. They're just the video is the woman. This woman is got the thing crawling on her. It, it's, yeah, huge. Yeah. it's huge. It's the size of a cat. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not what you're looking for. It's not. No, Mm-mm. no, not at all. Finally, Brad, we have with the return of our unsolved mysteries uh, category today. And it surprisingly enough, doesn't involve these huge snails, which I've never heard of before. Uh, the tomb linked to King Arthur is being dug up in um, Hedershire in the uh, United Kingdom, I believe. Where they're- Hedershire? Hedershire. Hedershire. I'm not sure Her- you can call it that anymore. Herefordshire. Herefordshire. And, um, and I believe that the UK is also in the process of throwing out its uh, prime minister. I think all of the ministers in the government have resigned, if not all of them, most of them. Um, but the good news is the people of, uh, of, of the UK are going to have a little treat when King Arthur's tomb is uh, going to be dug up after 5,000 years undisturbed. Of course, King Arthur was the uh, great uh, Saxon king, uh, Brad. He uh, was taught magic by Merlin, the magician, and then there was the sword and the stone um, mm-hmm. and the puppet. I think the puppets were there was a puppet puppetry going on there but uh looks like this is um this has been solved it's been he's being excavated and they're going to put him on display at the uh the, the madame tussauds museum of wax oh, that's perfect buddy that's where he belongs i i think I'm, I'm sure he's glad to finally be able to get out of there after you know five thousand years of just hanging out and doing his thing i mean to have merlin on your team i mean obviously you know for any of us any, any folks listening who are in your and my generation everybody knows that merlin's greatest gift was the ability to remember the color of flashing lights in whatever order they were being displayed by the actual little Merlin toy mm-hmm. and, you know, play them back for the Merlin. And so I'm sure Arthur was exceptional at that. And maybe at Madame Tussauds, he'll have the opportunity to, uh, to demonstrate that ability. I thought that was Simon. There was a Simon and there was a Merlin. And at this point, I can't tell you the difference. Maybe there well, is no difference. I mean, do you ever see them together? Maybe they're the I- same person. I've never seen them together, but once again, you're welcome. We've solved another uh, thought to be unsolved mystery, and we'll continue on the case as we go forward. Uh, next, Brad, we have the uh, new report out for, you know, a lot of people go into the summer, they like to have a cocktail. And uh, the new report uh, is out um, uh, from, I believe, the Harvard um, Journal of Medicine and other sundry items, uh, where it ranks the healthiest drinks if you're going to have a cocktail. Um, once again, red wine tops the list of, uh, of, of uh, cocktails. Uh, you know, if you're going to have a, a, a liquor drink, red wine ranked most healthy, um, as evidence suggests it can be good for the heart. Uh, second was a, uh, a craft cider. Craft cider is second, then white wine. And all the way down at the bottom of the list 
is your favorite summer drink a gin and tonic, which is apparently uh, toxic for you and uh, you should not consume it? Buddy, that's disappointing. I, I, I am torn with this report because, as you know, you and I are both avowed uh, imbibers of the red wine. We like it. We enjoy it. You're, you're better at you know, sort of identifying the good from the bad and knowing things about it than I am, but we both enjoy it. So that is positive. Uh, but I do like a gin and tonic, but I'm disturbed to hear that it's not good for you. I mean, it, you know, the, the dr drink originated because it had the ability, because of the quinine in it, to keep mosquitoes off you, right? So the Brits that were assigned to, you know, duty in India would drink these things because theoretically the quinine and the tonic, I guess, was, you know, mosquitoes didn't like it. So he pounded a few of those down, kept the bugs away. That sounds healthy. I don't know how, I don't know what impact the gin and tonic has on a giant snail. My guess is next to none. Uh, but it, it is disappointing to hear that the gin and tonic is at the, uh, at the bottom there. Yeah. And then, and, uh, this report ranked, uh, the top drink categories, red, red wine, craft cider, rosé wine, uh, white wine, beer and then spirits and then also spirits are ranked in, in the uh, category of spirits when they're mixed with certain uh, sugary drinks uh, soda pop and all that uh, not uh, not a good thing so again public service uh, go out and drink as much red wine as you want um, and uh, you know you'll see what uh, see what uh, happens see what's uh, yeah, cooking exactly yeah, let us know how it goes uh, next Brad we get to uh, we talk about woke, right? And we talk about the fact that there is a lot of, there's a woke agenda in this, uh, in this world. Well, this week, British climate activists who are trying to get um, uh, awareness uh, for the climate mm -hmm. uh, took it a, a step further. Uh, there was a Vincent van Gogh exhibit um, in uh, London, there are also other exhibits with famous works of art in Manchester and Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, well, these exhibits uh, glued their hands to the frames of these valuable works of art. And they actually like super glued their hands to the frames as a show of protest. So you would go in and you would like look, you know, you know how it is. You and I are both connoisseurs of art. You go in and you go look at the art, the, the Mona Lisa, the, the dogs playing poker. And you get these people like literally with these orange shirts with their hands glued to the frame. Now, I don't think they realize that the, the, the painting can come out of the frame. And so they can be sent to jail, right, with the frame. I mean, who cares? And, and the, the message, you've sent me this picture here, but we have it up for the uh, studio audience. They're both wearing an orange T-shirt that says just stop oil. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that has to do with Vincent van Gogh. Maybe he painted with oil. Is that, is that their problem? They don't like oil paints. They're, they're more of a watercolor or maybe a, uh, you know, a nice, uh, what's that stuff you use for the kids in, in the classroom? It's not like an acrylic, whatever that is that you can eat. The kids can eat it. Won't kill them. Is yeah, that their problem? Or, or, good. Yeah. So well, Plato was I'm great. Sure. I used to, yeah. I used to, you know, enjoy a nice, you know, nip of the Play-Doh here and again. So maybe that's what they're talking about. Maybe that's what it has to do with Vincent Van Gogh or because otherwise those three words in that order just don't seem to make any sense. Do they not like, like, is it oil that is somehow on an incline? And so it's like running downhill. They don't like that. What does that mean? Just well, you kind of, stop oil. 
I, I'm not exactly sure. And it's good that they're educating us on the climate and the need for change. Um, but you kind of wish this would happen in some third world country, right? Like, like you know, Saddam Hussein's Iraq, right? Yeah. Because you know what you'd be seeing? You would see just, you know, a couple of chops and then you'd go see the work of art and there'd be these two hands just sort of yeah, just hands, just hands yeah, yeah, glued yeah. to the frame. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, two people without hands being thrown into the back of some rusty wagon and taken out to the middle of nowhere to be dispatched with. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, again, everybody that would I would actually have some respect for someone who did something like this in a country like that. These two snowflake morons know that nothing bad is going to happen to them. And they're just looking forward to getting a few likes on their Insta face for this. And, uh, you know, again, uh, try this under old Idi Amin, my friend, and see what happens to you. I mean, look, people are seeing, you know, activism like this. It's important. This is grassroots stuff. And uh, the people at MIT are responding, right? They're saying uh, we need to combat climate change. We need, we need to figure out a way to do it. And they have created space bubbles, space bubbles, MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Brad, this is the forerunner, um, the, you know, the forefront of uh, everything uh, technology related. Yeah. Um, they're creating space bubbles the size of Brazil that will be floating as a shield between Earth and the sun to block radiation from hitting our planet. The innovation features inflatable bubbles in the form of a shield that will go be launched into space. Uh, it would sit between the earth and the sun. So, so look, I mean, this is a, uh, uh, a big, uh, a big deal. And then you, you think to yourself, okay, can there be, uh, can the bubbles turn on us um, like Skynet or, or Ipedia? And they say that these space bubbles, they have a plan for this can be intentionally destroyed by breaking their surface equilibrium uh, and that would make the um, the space bubble go away. Um, so, Brad, what do you think? Do you think this giant shield in space, uh, the size of Brazil, um, between the Earth and the Sun, uh, do you think this is enough to satisfy uh, the uh, British climate activists who are currently glued to a frame in the Tower of London? I, well, first of all, the upside is they could glue themselves to the space bubble and then we could just send it up there. All the activists who want to glue themselves to something could glue themselves to the bubble. Then we shoot it up between the sun and the earth and they can just hang out there for as long as they want. I, I'm, I'm a little, first of all, Brazil is a very large country. I mean, if you haven't looked at it, give it a gander. I, I had to go down there once in, in my past life and we were in a helicopter for hours going to a place that was you know, still in Brazil. And so that is, when you're talking about something the size of Brazil, this is a large thing. And I'm under the impression that the sun's radiation coming to earth is relatively important to life on earth. So I, you know, I sort of get that the intent is probably to, you know, mediate the bad radiation that I, I guess the ozone layer is no longer properly doing, but you, you know, if you're at MIT, let me just encourage you to get that right. Because if you put something the size of Brazil between us and the sun, and your math was a little off, or you know, you had one too many gin and tonics before you sent it up there, you could wind up screwing the pooch big time. It kind of kind of harkens back to some of those Soviet missions to the planet Venus or 
Um, you also have to wonder, think about the DART project, where, of course, we're trying to redirect, nudge uh, some of these big asteroids in outer space that are in a collision course with, uh, with Earth. Uh, just nudge them a little bit. But I wonder if these uh, space bubbles could be used in that. Uh, well, let's hope so. I mean, if you're going to build a space bubble, build one that'll deflect an asteroid while simultaneously providing, you know, just a touch of shade. It's actually not a bad idea. You could use it some of the summer heat down here yeah, um, yeah, exactly. on, on earth uh next brad the woke uh, minute we've already talked a little woke a lot of woke today but i like woke on woke crime and uh <laughs> at midler this week one of the one of the big mouth nasty uh, she is a piece of work she is a piece of work but listen listen you know you know you ever hear the thing about chickens and the roosting yes yes so so old bet midler this week was was going off about roe v wade and the dobbs decision and she started blasting people who were using the terms birthing people um, because she was using it in the context of Roe v. Wade and, and you know she basically was talking about women's rights and she was inundated with people on Twitter who um, uh, basically said that she was transphobic and she was just it was like throwing a piece of meat into a piranha laced pool. She was just just chewed up and tens of thousands of comments of people, most of whom are just nitwits, attacking Bette Midler uh, for being, uh, you know, for being transphobic. Just absolutely, absolutely priceless. Couldn't have happened to a nicer person. And I, I am very uh, thrilled about that uh next brad we uh, get to barter band uh there is apparently a um a big skateboarding competition you know skateboarding is something you and i did when we were young i, I was not good at it i skinned my knees and i just i stopped i, didn't, I don't want to do it anymore but i give you uh barter band ricky trez ricky trez ricky trez okay. trans skateboarder ricky trez 29 year old ricky trez is um it has been competing in skateboarding competitions against teenage girls the most recent competition was a victory over a 13 year old girl uh over the uh, big fourth of july uh holiday um the trans skateboarder ricky trez said that uh, she doesn't have a physical advantage over these teenage girls even though he she, She's 16 years older. Uh, Trez, the former, formerly known as Richard Batras, uh, has been on hormones for two years, uh, but has not yet had gender reassignment surgery, Brad. She says skateboarding is rooted in skill and not really about the size of the person. And she plans on continuing to compete in open contests against teenage girls to raise her ranking and one day have a spot on Team USA's women's uh, team. Um, and uh, very, uh, very exciting for the transgender skateboarder um, who, uh, you know, has been beating on uh, uh, most recently against a 13 year old to claim the first prize in the uh, in the big uh, contest. So uh, uh, a lot of people are saying this should be banned that uh, 30 year old, effectively 30 year old transgender, you know, males, female. Um, who have not had the gender reassignment surgery probably shouldn't be skateboarding against 12 and 13 year old girls in female competitions. But um, who knows, Brad, what do you, what do you say about this? Well, again, I'm going to go out on a limb here, my friend, and assume, and, and you, we all know what happens when you assume, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to assume that this current person who, you know, if I'm following you, 
was born a man. Richard Botris was his Reached name. the at least their late 20s as a man and then decided, eh, I think I'm a girl. Started telling people that. And then, you know, took some hormones and is now competing as a girl. I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that they, this person formally competed as a man and could not succeed. And, and the whole thing just belies the statement that it, you know, it doesn't matter. That's what, that's what, you know, that's the new, uh, you know, sort of excuse for this behavior is no, 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 we're not ruining women's sports. It, it doesn't matter. And, and yet in every case that I am aware, certainly the, these, you know, sort of headline cases, the formerly, you know, mediocre at best male athlete suddenly becomes world-class when they go over to the women's side. And then, you know, again, you, you start to have to look at this and go, well, maybe it does make a difference because you sucked as a dude, Richard. And, you know, now that you're trouncing 13 year old girls and you're just on top of the world, you may want to reconsider your position that, you know, going from being a 30 year old man to a 13 year old girl didn't make a difference in the competition. And so, but I'm going to be on the side of the folks who say banned here. Um, but, you know, said, here's a quote, here's a quote. Um, I don't think it's, a, I have a physical advantage. Look at me, I'm not buff or anything. I don't really work out. I just skateboard. And I don't think skateboarding has anything to do with physicality, especially when you look at these kids these days. So, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm as, as uh, entrenched as you are, but um, yeah, I'll probably say banned. Yeah. I mean, again, you and I were on record. Listen, if, if you are a male and you want to take whatever steps are necessary or available to you to turn yourself into a female, and identify that way, you know, go for it. You, 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 you get your life, you get to live it. Many people have fought and died to provide you with the right to live your life that way. If that's what you want to do, do it. If you are a woman and you want to do what you can to make yourself into a man, do that. If you want to be non-binary or trinary, you want to be in a thruple or a quadruple, whatever you want to do, you do it. But when you, when you then try to force everybody else to comply with your fantasy of being an Olympic athlete in a sex that you are not, then that's where you, you, you know, you sort of have to, to draw the line because that is simply not fair. Now, buddy, you and I both identify as two dudes who pee frequently. We are here every week. We will be here again next week. If you enjoy that sort of thing, we'll see you right back here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome. <laughs>